Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. I'm a feminist, but when my four-year-old nephew insisted on me putting on my wedding dress and watching Beauty and the Beast with him, I also put on my tiara, which he had not requested. It was actually a great afternoon, I'm not going to lie to you. Deborah, be honest, was your nephew even there? Yes, he was. He really loves that kind of thing and he wanted me to dress up and I wanted to encourage it because I don't want him to feel that gender is binary. So I was doing something really wonderful. Because he likes dresses. Oh, he also wore one. He might have, but it was the main thing was he was in... He didn't see him at all. You no, he, no, he, no, he wasn't wearing one, but he was interested in clothes. You know, he was going, can I look at your wedding dress? Because he oh, okay, okay, a picture okay. of me in my wedding dress. So he was going, could you show it to me? Could you try it on? And he's very interested in fashion. So I want to encourage that. So in a very real way, what sounds like an unfeminist act was the most feminist act anyone in this room has ever done. <laughs> um, we, we've gotten some submissions from people which is really exciting. We get like tweets and Facebook messages emails. and emails and stuff from our listeners, which is so freaking excited. So I'm going to be reading some of those out. I'm a feminist, but when I was standing in the freezing cold queue for a nightclub recently and the bouncer came down and said to me and my friend, we can't have a couple of princesses like you shivering in the cold. In you go. I said, sure, and went in. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but while staying at the Edinburgh Festival, we are living in a flat, and the flat upstairs is full of handsome young male comedians. (laughs) Yesterday morning, I left the flat early, looking fringe festival tired and wearing no makeup at all, and I heard footsteps coming down behind me, so I sped up and hurried out the door, and then heard, hey Deborah, and turned around to see Nish Kumar, and said, hey, Nish, fancy seeing you here. I didn't realise you were upstairs this year. I did. (laughs) And when he said, nice to see you, I put my sunglasses on and said, sorry, got to go, running late. (laughs) You cannot, you know, in London, it's like you just go out the door and you can just go out without makeup on in time. No big deal. But here, I look like death. I look really, really tired and terrible. So this is the very place that I need makeup. I think you've said like four problematic things in one sentence. <laughs> like everything you just said is so wrong. <laughs> you don't look like death. You don't need makeup. You don't look worse here than you do at home. You this always why look call, like this. This is why we call... I don't always look like this. Fuck you. I do not always look like this. Which why is you great. That? Why would you say you that? You always look this... This is so wrong. I'm... D- 
Listen. And that's just the greatest guy. Yeah, I know. And he's cute. Oh, wait, was that was it today or was it yesterday? Yesterday. Yeah, it was when he was... Yeah, because I, when I came down, he was, like, vomiting in the street. <laughs> he was like, I just saw death, and I just thought that was a metaphor, but... That explains everything. He was, like, tearing out his eyes. I feel increasingly I'm becoming the guilty half of this podcast. <laughs> and Sophie's becoming the feminist half. <laughs> The real reason Sophie reads out other people's I'm a feminist butts now, she doesn't have any anymore. Yeah, I'm just perfect. So it's true. She says, I really struggle because I'm really trying to work on it and change, so I'm not going to have any. And I'm like, I've still got loads. <laughs> All right, this is also a submission. I'm a feminist, but when I was watching a home improvement show with my dad and he said that plumbing was no job for a girl, I made him feel so bad about it that I was able to get him to buy me a new iPad. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but last time I met an old friend for lunch, I quickly talked about politics as we asked for the bill so that the lunch passed the Bechdel test, because up until that point, we had literally only talked about boys, and I did not know the name of the waitress. (laughs) Had you talked about Nishkuma? Maybe. I'm a feminist. This is also a submission. I'm a feminist, but I have a recurring sexual fantasy about being Rapunzel, saved from a tower by a handsome prince, and I've looked into how much it would cost to get a rope of hair (laughs) to recreate this with my boyfriend. I've already found an Airbnb in Ireland with a turret. turret. (laughs) It would have gotten a bigger, like, wow, if I've been able to pronounce that word. Maybe not. Maybe not. I mean, do you want to do it again just turret? for the edit? What's a turret? A turret's like a tower. It's the you know the sort of the you know at the top of a tower. It's like a little Juliet from mountain. Rapunzel. That makes sense. Exactly. Do you want to do the last one again just yeah. for the edit? And then you, you know what to do. <laughs> I've already found an Airbnb in Ireland with a turret. <laughs> that just sounded sarcastic. Didn't well, yeah, when really? I. When I said you know what to do, you're like, yes, encourage the fact that you can speak English. (laughs) You're like, yay. (laughs) Live from the Gilded Balloon at the Edinburgh Fringe, the Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with Sophie Hagen and Deborah Francis-White. Tonight's special guest, Ethan Hawk, talking about periods. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. The theme of the show today is periods. That's right. Now, Sophie's been trying to get me to do this topic since we first began, and I've kept going, hmm, let's definitely talk about that because I'm super comfortable talking about stuff like that. Uh, Deborah has a problem with every kind of body fluid ever. Yes, Yes, I do. Yes, she calls I do. it scatology. I do call it scatology. I call anything to do with the loo scatology. And periods are really scatology, that? but I will, I'll be honest with you, I'm probably going to be talking in largely formal language. <laughs> That's how I cope with it. And it's not that I don't think women should be able to talk about periods. I absolutely do, 100%. It's not near you. Sure. Um, <laughs> so today uh, we're going to be talking about... You're so close periods. to saying some of my best friends are periods. <laughs> I'm okay with it. Just not they, around me. They, some of my best friends are definitely not fucking periods. So, Sophie, what was your challenge on periods? 
I I think I realized that I just automatically, if I have like, and I get quite serious, uh, it it hurts a lot when I have them, and I I think I just assume that people really mind hearing about it, and I I've never been that conscious about how I've spoken about it. So I thought the next time it hurt so much that I was going to have to cancel something, I was just going to be really really honest about it, and it was four months ago, three months ago. Uh, and there was a gig and I just couldn't get out of bed it hurt so much I was just crouched together and it was oh, I, I couldn't even get in the shower everything just hurt so much so I had to tell my manager <laughs> who's this extremely nice person and he's such a he's incredible he's also a friend of mine but I've you know we have a very businessy relationship I've never opened up about parts of my vagina before <laughs> in business meetings <laughs> So I told him, I, I texted him, and I thought, it's not enough to just say period pains. I have to, like, <laughs> that's be a real challenge. So I just said, oh, hi, Chris. Uh, you know, I have severe period pains because uh, of, you know, my ovaries trying to kill me. <laughs> and there's this blood everywhere, and uh, it just really hurts. Like, you know, if I cough, ooh. <laughs> ooh, that's that bedding. Uh, <laughs> so I can't do the gig tonight. <laughs> And it took him longer than usual <laughs> to answer me. And then I got the sweetest message, which was him really... I think he felt like he had the patriarchy on his back. Like he really had to apologize. <laughs> it was the nicest message I've ever had from anyone. It was just, I completely understand that. That is absolutely okay. I am uh, terribly sorry on you. If there's anything I can do, <laughs> just let do you need me. I'll send an assistant over. She'll give you medicine. It's, I will cancel. Do you need other gigs canceled? Do you need, you, can I, should I buy you a house? I can do anything. <laughs> it was really lovely. That's really, really, yeah. really good. So you were yeah. honest and it, and it worked out well for you. And I've started doing it. So I, I, I do that now. I mean, not with the, the amount of details, well, but I tried and, and treat it as if it was, you know, the flu. Well, I think you've inspired that Chinese Olympic swimmer. Yeah, she was, she was she there. she also did that. Yeah. Uh, she, she was sitting in my room. about this week? There's a Chinese Olympic swimmer. She got a bronze and they were expecting... It was a relay team. They were expecting to get gold and they got the bronze. And she said, I had my period... And I was in a lot of pain. And apparently there's a big taboo in China about talking about your period. And so Imagine. <laughs> we do have a lot of expressions. And I often use idiom to Sophie, and she doesn't know what it is. Oh, was that an um, idiom? No. No. But it's a ta- to... You know what they say. Periods is a taboo in China. It's <laughs> 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 your round at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> This language no, is so confusing. I, I, was saying, I was saying in Britain we use a lot of idiom for periods. And I, like, sometimes I've said to Sophie something like, I'm going to get a new hat, meaning you know, she's seeing a new guy or something, meaning, you know, I don't even know if anyone knows this idiom anymore, but it means, oh, I, I expect I'm going to get invited to a wedding. And she'll go, why have you changed the subject? Why are you hat shopping? <laughs> um, and this happens a lot to us. So I'm going to run some idioms for period by you. Okay. So uh, the painters and decorators are in. Yeah, I think we had that in Denmark as well. Oh, do you? Do you? I think okay. so. Aunt Flo is in town. <laughs> I've heard of that, yeah. On the rag. I've heard of that. Does that stem from what I don't want to think it stems from? 
on the rag. Well, it's from when women used to have pieces of rag. Yeah, okay, well, then Because was when my mother was growing up, they'd cut up little pieces of towel and they'd use those. And she said the neighbours would know because you'd have to hang them on the washing line because in Australia, everyone hangs them on the old hill's hoist, big washing line. And she said she had a neighbour, a male neighbour, who would lean over the fence and go, see, the flags are flying. <laughs> an Australian yeah does anyone have any others for Sophie shark week shark uh, week I like that shark week that's fun anybody fun else one. yes Japan has invaded <laughs> Japan has invaded <laughs> Japan has invaded that makes sense it makes sense the flag the, the Japanese flag still sounds a bit racist though doesn't it <laughs> is that only me no it sounds empowering if they invade a country that's Good on Well them. done, Japan. I don't know. It's not how people felt in the Second World War. Um, uh, anybody else? Anyone got one? Fall into the communists. You've fallen to the communists. A lot of political I ones. I really for this like crowd. that. Fall into we the have, communists. We have one in Denmark. Oh, are there any Danish people in? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's the one with the Kommunister in Lusthusel? Oh. Oh, I was gonna, art house? Out, 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 oh, yeah, like fun, fun house or something. Communists in the fun house. Communists in the fun house. Yeah. I've invited a couple of communists into my fun house in my time. And now I have I mean. pain. By which I mean I've slept with Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> Periods. Periods. If men had periods, they wouldn't. <laughs> But this is what the history books would say. Before the cure was developed and rapidly spread through the Western world in the late 1800s, men were routinely struck down with a painful disorder known as a period. This malady struck every 28 days. The crippling pain was accompanied by five days of hemorrhaging. As it affected almost all men over 12 years of age and was not a contagious malady, it was the first challenge modern medicine turned its attention to. <laughs> the finest scientists spent upward of five years working on the cure. Up to Victorian times, it was routine for men to be doubled over in pain, having to take time away from their employment and find blood seeping through their clothes when the malady came upon them unexpectedly. Some had to put cotton in their underwear or insert cotton pessaries inside themselves and change them several times a day. Naturally, all of this allowed braggadocio amongst men and they boasted of the worst pain and the most blood, proving their superior strength. <laughs> of course, 21st century men do not suffer in the same way. A simple medication alleviates all the symptoms. Of course, in ancient times, men who were bleeding and writhing in pain were seen to be especially sacred and powerful, as they were said to have the lifeblood running through them, and as such, they were celebrated. Today, men are still seen as sacred and powerful, but also pain and inconvenience-free. <laughs> Your challenge. My challenge was to try a moon cup. Dot com. Um, I have. Okay, I have always, and this is 
I'm not comfortable talking about any of this. So this just... is so much fun. I'm enjoying this so much. Go on. <laughs> Can't believe I'm telling you this. this is, She's this making me. You're so tense. I'm so tense. I've always used sanitary napkins because I am very small. And I, when I go to see a gynecologist, shut up, Sophie. When I have to go and see a gynecologist, they need to use a specially small speculum because I'm, listen, I'm not tiny anywhere else. You know, I'm five foot nine, I'm quite broad. I've got significant hips. A I've ga- got gaping assholes. <laughs> The only thing thin about me is my womb lining, which is terrible when you want to have a baby. Uh, the only person I've ever told this to, really weirdly, was an old friend from university who, I don't know how it came up. I know, it was a sitcom and it was something about tampons not being able to go in or something. He's a writer and we were joking about it and I said, yeah, I can't use tampons because I'm too small. And he went, Deborah Francis White is a squeeze, like that. Now, I've never heard that term. Does anyone know this term? I think it's a girl with small, a woman with a small vagina, because I'm apparently I'm very tight. So I cannot... <laughs> I'm, it sounds like I'm advertising myself now. I'm I, advertising my vagina. I really, I, have a, I really want to ask a question, but I know it's very inappropriate, but I do think that 45% are thinking it. Oh, God, what is it? Have you had sex? <laughs> can, can you have... Is it like he has, to, he has to come into a syringe and then... No, but... Because isn't... I mean, penis isn't tampon. When, like, size... Yes, but when I mean, are, I know that's very... But when you were sexually aroused, Sophie... Oh, uh, well, that, we solved it, didn't we? You just yes, have to... you solved it, Sherlock. You just have you're, to... You're the Danish Sherlock Holmes. You solved the mystery of my vagina. Yes, so I've never been able to use a tampon without pain. And I just sort of got to a certain point where I just thought, do you know what? I'm just going to use pads and fine. I'm sure other women are in this position. I don't care what anyone else does. Nobody knows. It's fine. And then I saw on the internet people, a lot of people talking about the moon carp. Does anyone know about the moon carp? Yes. yes. Does anybody use the moon carp? Yes. Okay. So someone said, no. Um, <laughs> it's a little rubber carp that you twist and you insert it inside of you and then it catches the blood and then you tip it out and you wash it out. Now, the reason for this is very, very environmentally friendly. You buy one moon carp as opposed to all of the cotton that we're constantly throwing away. So and it's amazing for people who can't afford tampons. And exactly. People who don't have access to tampons. Unbelievable for people who can't afford it, whether they're in third world country or they're here and they just don't want that expense. Because as we know, in this country, it is a luxury product, the tampon. <laughs> um, and it's taxed as such. I, it's so luxurious. Uh, and... So I got myself a moon cup on my last period, knowing I was doing this challenge, and thought, oh, God, I hope I'm going to be able to do it. But you twist it, and you put it up, and I, could, I found, after I'd had a couple of goes, I can wear a moon cup. But I could feel it. I could feel it the whole time. And so as I was walking, I was like, oh, I've got the moon cup in. <laughs> and I thought, well, you know, I might get used to it. It might be fine, you know. But when I came to take it out... I think I twisted it open inside of me. So then I was in so much pain because I had to pull it out like a plug out of a bath. <laughs> and I was just like, Aah! I was in a hotel room and I just went, Aah! 
and then sort of came up with this bloody chalice. <laughs> like something out of Game of Thrones. <laughs> it was definitely like I was going to sacrifice somebody. Um, and then you've got this sort of cup of blood and you're not used to seeing that because it all soaks into the pad. So I was just like, oh, is that how much comes out of me? You know, and you would absolutely get used to that. I would have to learn, if I wanted to do it regularly, how to take it out. Because I thought, I can't do this again. I don't want to do this again. I know that was awful. But then I was in a hotel. I was up north. And I realised I hadn't brought any pads. So I had to go again. um, Because I didn't have anything else with me. I I completely understand if that was too much for you. (laughs) I feel like she's just gone, oh, fuck, I forgot to change my moon cup. (laughs) Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ladies and gentlemen, a very wonderful comedian up here at the Edinburgh Fringe. You should all go see her solo show. It's Ms. Evelyn Mock. Uh, Evelyn, what what do you call it? Oh, I call it my sex inhibitor. (laughs) No, I don't know. In Sweden, we have, um, we call it the Lingen Week. Do you know the berry? The Lingenberry? So we call it the Lingen Week. Sounds Uh, like very Swedish. It does sound very Swedish. I think this is the very week I avoid Lingus. (laughs) Oh, you. Cunnilingus? Oh, thank you. I've lived with Evelyn, so she knows her really well. She knows when I don't get something. <laughs> she'll, she'll know what to translate. <laughs> Sophie's very Danish. <laughs> and that's coming from a Swede, so we know that's not a compliment. <laughs> you, uh, the reason I really wanted you to do this is because you do period jokes on stage. Mm, yeah, that's the only thing I talk about on stage. <laughs> I talk about my vagina. I talk about being Chinese, and then I talk about having periods in my Chinese vagina. Um, So, uh, yeah, I love it. I can't get enough of talking about periods, and I've... It's the most fun thing ever, and it makes people so uncomfortable. So this is like a treat for me. You should do really. it at like comedy clubs yeah. where people are like drunk and just want to hear about not periods. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what draws you to the period, if you will? Because I have it so much. <laughs> um, no, actually, it's quite interesting because I was... Um, so I recently, before I came up to the Fringe, I was diagnosed with PCOS. Do people know what it is? Yeah, some people do. So it's called polycystic ovary syndrome. And it's basically that you develop small cysts on your ovaries and it just makes it, it can cause quite a few health issues. So I was apparently undiagnosed for about six years or something. Um, And I went into this kind of really big hormonal imbalance. So it's been like for the past six years, I've just been up and down every time I've been on and off my period. 
And then I was diagnosed right before coming to the fringe and they prescribed me uh, a hormonal supplement. And now I just want to bang everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I feel so good because my sex drive was really low and now it is very, very keen. Where can we get these pills? <laughs> uh, I have some. I'll give you some. I'll say I, some. I would be interested. What made you go to the... Uh, well, guys, like so I've always been very irregular since I've had my period. I think I googled my symptoms a few years ago because about a few years ago, I started becoming very um, moody, very swingy in my moods. And so I googled it and polycystic ovary syndrome came up. And so I thought, okay, this seems interesting, but I never checked it up. Um, and this now... is the thing, though. I think because the period is so bad for everybody, we can go for four years with an actual disease and think, oh, it's just that time of the month. <laughs> and that should really actually tell men something about how painful it is that you would not notice because you would think, oh, I just have extreme period pain. And I completely understand, sir, if you do need to go now. Uh, But at the same time... Oh, no, it's not you. I'm so sorry. It's a hot woman. I mean, hot... They don't have periods. Physically hot, I meant. She was waving herself. I think she got too hot. I think she overheated. I don't mean... That was a hot woman. Um, Maybe she's in menopause. um, But isn't that interesting, though? The idea that we can have a disease that we don't know we have... Mm. And we just put it down to period pain. Women just go, hmm, if you've had period pain so bad, you've had to take time off work. Just go, hmm, if you've never had it so bad, you've taken time off work. Okay, go, hmm, if of those people, if you'd like to have taken time off work. Yes. It's an interesting one, isn't it? It's something that every single month we get so ill that we want to take time off work. And why is nothing done about that? I take... um, uh, what's that? What's that period drug? Um, the one in the pink packet. It's always in a pink packet, isn't it? <laughs> Feminax. I take Feminax, and it's just really expensive, regular, like ibuprofen or something. And they basically oh, yeah. go. Oh, it's just the, the pink paracetamol. It's pink paracetamol. It's yeah. like feeling bad about this. Let's put Fem in the title and put it in a pink box and charge you extra. Um, <laughs> but it, it's a bit weird that half the population every single month is really suffering and writhing and less able to do stuff. And nobody says anything about it. We just continue on. Well, actually, when I first first diagnosed, they told me that there was no treatment for it. So I was like, oh, cool. So I'm (laughs) just going to continue living like this. But then I had a very long period. um, uh, Four months, thanks. And um, by that point, so they were like, okay, we need to give you uh, a tablet so that you can stop it. And after I started taking that pill, I feel like a person again. I haven't felt this way in probably six years. So there is a treatment out there, but I, I don't know, maybe people just haven't, as you say, the patriarchy hasn't taken the time <laughs> to research it. But we, um, we don't, but and, yeah. we don't, and if we don't talk about it, that it's really hard to you know, force people to focus on it, I guess. I remember when the first time I started taking, uh, uh, what do you call that the, uh, in English? The, the, if you take it, the birth control. There we go. <laughs> when I was like, uh, I must have been 16. 
and it really affected my hormones and I was so, so sad. And I remember calling a doctor and I felt like I was really, I was like apologizing for being so annoying. And I was like, I'm so sorry for calling you with such a stupid question. It's just that I'm, I'm taking these pills and ever since I started taking them, I feel suicidal. And he was like, stop taking them. I was like, oh, good point. <laughs> but I had, and, and I stopped, and the thought stopped. And I was like, oh, shit. Wow. And I think mm. a few months later, it came out in the media that those exact pills were making people... I had that once with fertility treatment. I honestly felt suicidal, and I've never felt suicidal in my mm. life. And I went in and I said, look, I don't even know I should be considering having a baby anymore because I just, I've just got the worst depression. And she looked at my chart and she went, oh, you're on this... Are you on the nasal spray as well? And I was like, yeah. She went, oh, yeah, sometimes in combination that can make you suicidal. <laughs> and I was like, you could have fucking mentioned that. I had no idea it had anything to do with the drugs. I thought I'd start a fertility treatment and then coincidentally become a suicidal person from somebody who previously had been really upbeat. But I do think it's important to talk about, uh, and that's why I love, Evelyn, I love watching you on stage talk about these things because... Do you get surprised by the reactions you get? I get surprised that men kind of like it. Maybe mm. that's me being judgmental. But also, I'm really funny, everyone. No, <laughs> what, what, kind um, of, what kind of jokes do you do about periods? Periods. I, uh, do you want to do five minutes now? Just <laughs> five minutes now? Yeah. But I have that thing about where if men had periods, uh, that society would be chaos. Because especially during wintertime, we just find a bunch of drunk men outside just menstruating their names in the snow. Um, and then I do an act out. Uh, that's an example of what I do on stage. I had one that never worked, but I really loved doing it, about the reason why we should talk more about periods is because we need to not feel alone when we've had like a... I tried to make it observational and it turned out no one has this. <laughs> After you've had like a really big one and you're like looking into the toilet bowl and you feel that sense of pride. <laughs> like, oh, that would have been a warrior. <laughs> and I did, I did that at an, at an open mic. And there was on the front row with these two huge like builders, like bald men, huge muscles. And I was like, oh, then my prejudice kicked in. And I was like, they're going to fucking hate this. And they were completely kind of, I mean, they were smiling, but, you know, it wasn't going well in the first place. And then afterwards I said to them, so did that make you feel uncomfortable? And they were like, no, actually, that was really refreshing. Like, oh. <laughs> wow. That's so nice. I think it's kind of maybe our prejudice, because I think most men are comfortable with it because they live with women. But then again, I remember I was at a gig once with three male comedians, and I had to go change my tampon. And so I got a tampon out. I sneaked it out in my hand and put it in my pocket. And then I went to the bathroom, and then the tampon wasn't there. And I was like, oh my God, what happened? So I go back to the couch, and it's on the couch, just openly there. And these three comedians, they're just like really awkward. And so I'm like, oh gosh, I have to break the tension somehow. So I just take it, and I'm like, do you guys need a tampon? <laughs> and they're like, you won. Yeah. You won that. There's a video that went viral that made me cry a lot about... It was, I think it was men in prison, and then someone did, like, a talk about... I don't remember if it was vaginas in general, or just women in general, or if it was about periods. But then they, they just told the men about all these things and these prisoners, and then afterwards they interviewed them, and they were all just going, I'm so grateful that I've been told this, because now I can help my daughter. And it was just like, oh, oh. this is like 
I don't know why I assume the like big men don't want you know I keep saying they have muscles so they must hate women I don't know why I make that assumption we're all humans you guys we just need to talk to each other on that when did you find out about periods like was there a story oh my gosh so I got my period very early I got it when I was 11 I think I was just like okay my underpants are dirty this is weird and so it had been going on for a few days and then uh, my mom when she was doing the washing she saw it and she was like she asked me how long it had been going on uh, and I said a few days and she's like ah and freaked out and then she uh, ran upstairs and got me a pad but she didn't mention what it was she never mentioned it because I'm Chinese and we were very repressed <laughs> Um, so I just kind of walked around with a pad and didn't really hand? know. Yeah, exactly, in my hand. I'm like, this is where it goes. And I didn't really know until maybe she talked to me two days after and she was like, okay, you've got something called your period and this is going to happen now every month. And it's also because I was wearing, I remember when she discovered, I was wearing a training bra with Daisy Duck on it. So it feels very, I was a child, man. My mom had this calendar where she would mark her periods, but she would write one B, like first, and then like in Danish, like the bleeding day. It would just be quite, we'd just call it that, so one B. But I didn't know that because my grandfather's name is Ip, which is I B. So I thought she was just, every month she would just write his name <laughs> in the calendar. So when I got mine, I was like, I think we need to call Granddad. <laughs> I'm not sure why, but. I feel like we should include him. In <laughs> I remember seeing an ad on television and saying to my mother, it was for tampons or something, and saying, what's that? And she was like, oh, I'll tell you when you need to know. And then she, I remember she explained it to me and said, like, it's going to happen to you. And then when it happens, the family are all going to have to be a little bit more patient with you around that time <laughs> of the month because you're going to feel grumpy and you're going to be cross. And I'm going to tell everyone in the family they just have to be a bit nicer to you because... What you're looking I mean, knowing, no, I'm just like knowing myself as a child. If my mom had said that to me, I would just be like, oh, I'm still on my period. <laughs> Have a period, all, you should all be nice to me all the time. Does anyone have a question? Oh, if the question is how you can really freak out men who are disgusted by periods, the answer is just say, there are chunks. <laughs> don't, don't and that. apparently. You guys. <laughs> What's the question, sorry? My question is, if you had the power to magic away your own period, or everybody else's period, <laughs> or, or do neither, what would you do? I would oh. take away mine. <laughs> Just look it up for me. I'm looking forward to menopause. <laughs> like, I really want that to happen. Oh, it's a tricky one. I think I might take away everyone else's. Because I would just feel so bad otherwise. Because I would feel like I would feel like I could magic away the periods of everyone. But also, and then the you same could be like time, a matcha. You could yeah. be like, oh, I guys, I'm the woman with the period. Oh my god. I feel I would be yes, or, but also I would feel like a Moses to all other women in the world. We would let my people go. I do. I, <laughs> I'm adopted, and I have a Moses complex. I made it up myself, but I think I bet other adopted people have it. That I feel like I was saved in a basket and sent down a river of reeds for something. And I, I'm starting to realize it's for guilty feminists. So, like, <laughs> let my people go. There's something about the... I mean, it hurts and it's impractical and it's expensive and there's a lot of bad stuff. But when I do have it, 
for a bit of it, I feel really in touch with my body. There's a sort of sometimes an exquisite pain to it and a relief of that pain. Do you know if you ever take pain medication, you curl up on your bed with a hot water bottle and you feel like you're allowed to sleep? There's a lovely feeling. Does, does anyone else get that? Yeah. yeah. yeah and like also a, period sex. For the listeners at home, Sophie Hagen is looking very smugly. Very smug. Has anyone else got another question? I was wondering what your guys' opinions on advertisements for period products, especially the way they represent a period as like a clear blue liquid. Oh, very good question. We should represent that accurately and stop wearing it down. Or what do you mean? Yours isn't blue. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, guys, are you all? Are you freaks? Because mine's like liquid blue. <laughs> it's clear. <laughs> I just think of it every time I see like a CSI or like a crime scene investigation, I just think that couldn't happen in my bathroom today. <laughs> There's an ad out at the moment where it's women getting bloody, like falling off horses and running, and you can see the blood. And this is used as a sort of, you know, triumph for powerful women. But they're still not showing menstrual blood. And um, this has got a lot of kudos. I think we're grown up enough now to have the person in the white coat poured red liquid onto a thing rather than blue liquid, aren't we? The thing is, we're in like a nice little feminist bubble where we're all agreeing on these things and we all think it's wonderful. Not our friends are feminists, etc. But there are people out there who are just not okay with it. And that should change. And so I do think we should just be really prerogative about it and just show it as it is. If you're being taught from your child that it's a completely normal and natural thing and it's not disgusting or unclean or anything, then it won't be a problem. It's because we see the blue liquid and then... My issue with period advertising is that everyone's running and jumping all the time. So I never feel like running and jumping. Exactly. It's like, oh, wear white trousers and run down a beach. Fuck off. I want to be curled up in my pyjamas watching Netflix. And eating 12 Ben and Jerry's. Yeah, yeah. I want to be watching Orange is the New Black with a really nice sort of dark chocolate. Mm. I do not want to be running down a beach in white trousers. (laughs) Mm -mm. Not interested in that at all. And no cartwheels, no motorbikes. Those are two, they're right out. At any time of the month. Cartwheels and motorbikes. Do you have anything to plug? Actually, there's a really cool Edinburgh, um, Edinburgh-based comedian who collects tampons for homeless women in Manchester, and then she makes these little bags of like just a bunch of sanitary pads and stuff, and hands them out. And she's incredible. I'm going to put up a link in the Guilty Feminist group on Facebook, so if you want to join that and find it there. I just remembered it. I should have told her to be here and collect tampons. I should have told you to bring tampons. If you do have the... I mean, I could pass them on to her. If you do have tampons with you that you're not going to spend until you can buy new ones, put them here and we'll give it to her as you leave, if that's okay. Put your tampons on the table before you leave, Sophie Hagen has just asked. <laughs> Declare your she tampons. But she's, so, she's so incredible. She, uh, oh, it's she, great. It's great. It's just she, an unusual request at every the end of a time, show. Every time she does a, like an, a, show, a comedy show, she, she has a, like a bucket by her by the table at the entrance and she tells people who want to go and see her show to, uh, to bring mm. most people on the fringe ask for money in their bucket but uh, we are asking for tampons in our bucket I'm doing a show called Global Pillage which is a spin-off of this show from a representation challenge it's a comedy panel show uh, where we book diverse comedians and it's two teams of comedians versus the hive mind of the audience. All the questions are cultural diversity, so you get to play. And also, if you would like to join our Guilty Feminist podcast group, the Guilty Feminist podcast on Facebook, at Guilt Fem Pod on Twitter. Please give it up for Evelyn Muck. You have been-
have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with Sophie Hagen, me, Deborah Francis White, and our special guest, Evan Hawk. The recording engineer was Gary Moyle. Music was by Mark Hodge. Producer was Tom Selitsky for the Spontaneous Shop. Thanks to everyone at The Guilty Balloon and Butler and everyone at SoTV, as well as all of you for listening. More information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. Hi, this is Sophie with a little message. I am going to tour my brand new show, Shimmer Shatter, this autumn of 2016. I will visit about 20 places in the UK, including places like Newcastle, Liverpool, and of course, Elgin. To see a list of all the places uh, and to buy tickets, go to sophiehagen.com. Hello. Oh, you seem so nice. Where were you yesterday? <laughs> and if you were here yesterday, you also seemed nice.